this episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Useful Corruption. Hey, do you happen to be a corrupt politician who has $100 million or so lying under your bed or $50 million in the guest bathroom? How about considering Useful Corruption? Invest your stolen funds in local businesses at reasonable interest rates and make that money work for you while you make your money work for the people. Useful corruption. Stealing. That helps. Podcast or this podcast helps or anybody affiliated with this podcast does not in any way endorse or encourage money laundering. Welcome again to Pod Save Africa. This is your host, Akinade Adirili. And today, I have a guest who's a personal friend of mine, fantastic guy, and he's going to introduce himself a little more as soon as I let him. But today, we're going to be talking on, on things that I feel are particularly important to people who are interested in seeing African, African countries and the African continent move forward. My friend's name is Timmy. Oluro Timmy Akande. You have to give the, the full name because uh, he's not... <laughs> Uh, he's a very mighty fellow, so uh, let's let's get right into it. Timmy, how about you introduce yourself to my listeners? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I'd like to start by saying thank you for having me. You know, I I feel uh, honored, and okay. uh, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. So my full name is Olu Rochimi Akindeli or Olu Warochimi Akindeli, and. Uh, you guys named me Timmy, so I guess you can uh, I can go with Timmy as well. Right. So and uh, my sort of I guess I should give you my short background. Yes, please. If you don't mind, yeah. I came into the United States in uh, 2005 with my family from just Plato State, and since then I have been here, which is uh, 13 years right. uh, to my knowledge. And, and Plato State is in Nigeria, right? It's in Nigeria, yes, yes. yes. Just okay. to speak Nigeria. That's right, that's right. And it's been, uh, you know, uh, a good time in the U.S. and also uh, a time of uh, good reflection for me and uh, learning as well. Mm. Uh, when I came here, I went to, uh, I completed high school here, actually. So I did, uh, I, I completed the remaining two years of my high school uh, time here, and then I moved on to community college at Harold Washington right. and after that where I met, where you know we got to meet each other at uh, IIT afterwards right. and where I studied political science mm-hmm. uh, I think I, I think I think I think your audience should also know that we were once uh, <laughs> uh, open it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they should they should be uh, giving such uh, information we were sure. once uh, student government are open and running, uh, you know, with good vision to improve uh, the student body and, uh, you know, some of the operational procedures at IIT. Yeah. And uh, after IIT, I went to Northwestern to study communications and change management, which I believe, you know, was going to be a very good uh, supplement or shall I say, you know, an addition to my foundation in political science. And, uh, you know, graduated and now I'm also, uh, you know, in the workforce and uh, still involved in community service, community engagement. And 
to uh, discussing ways in which we can improve uh, our beloved continent, uh, Africa. All right. Fantastic. Yes, well, thank you so much, Timmy. Uh, let thank us hop right into it. I'd like to, first of all, ask even more about you. I know you shared quite a bit, but I personally, knowing you, you're perhaps the person I know with the most political engagement of all the people I know, period. And this is not just, you know, um, talking about politics, you also walk the walk. You're actively engaged in, in community service and politics and trying to leverage change in your community. So That's what, right. and then you even studied it. So, so what, what, what has been your experience with, uh, political engagement? First of all, how did you get there and what, what has kept you going? That's right. I, I would say how I began was, uh, while I, you know, when I went to community college, we had this, you know, group of African students and we were just everywhere and we, had the discussions, we had engagements, but we didn't have a group. Okay. And so someone uh, recommended that I lead uh, a formation of what we will call the African Student uh, Association of Washington College. Okay. And that was essentially the beginning of my political engagement and uh, community uh, engagement, if you like. And, you know, after that, I began to see that uh, as young people, all of us had or have an idea of what we would like to see Nigeria be, and those who were not Nigerians had a desire to see, you know, their homeland uh, improve technologically, civically, and so you know, seeing all that gave me more passion to to say, okay, if if if, if this is actually what is beneath some of our passions, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I would like to, you know, find ways to coordinate that, uh, you know, in, into some good, okay. you know, you know, in terms of soliciting ideas and leveraging these opportunities so that we could all come together and see how, you know, we could someday keep this conversation going so that once we get to a position of uh, influence, we can begin to, uh, recommend changes okay. and, you know, yeah, and influence uh, public policy. So that was the beginning of my, uh, I guess you can say my political journey okay. or my passion for community engagement. And what has kept me going has been the fact that each time, you know, I read and listen to what's going on because I really like to listen. And this, this is not just because, yeah, I really do because yeah. I believe we as human beings, we all have a blind side. So there's something you're not seeing, there's something you don't know, there's something you are unaware of. Hmm. And so uh, I like to listen and, you know, listening and seeing that, especially in Nigeria, there's still so much uh, lack. And when I mean lack, I, I don't mean in the uh, in the material sense, but in terms of leadership, in terms of... Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, in fact, we can actually say in terms of the patriotic, uh, a, a patriotic vision of what we would like to see the country. And it's not yeah. that the people have it, but it's it, it, our leaders who maybe their hands are tied, I don't know, but they don't seem to be pushing the country towards where we as young people would like to see it. Or, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and, you know, 
given that you you've 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 now you know clarified this delineation we young people have a different idea of what our country should look like than what the leaders do clearly to some degree that's right um you know how how do we then why do you think first of all political engagement is then important how does it affect how does it move the scale to bring bridge that gap between us and our leaders I believe um, political engagement is very important because, you know, I mean, I, you know, by nature, mine is a political animal. Human beings are. Hmm. We, we need, we need, a, I guess I should say we need a political infrastructure. Right. Number one, to make sure that our institutions are able to run well, right. you know. And, and, and now, and now some people may say, well, 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 is that really needed? I mean, for the sake of government, right. so that is needed. And so in order to implement certain visions, we want to see whether it's technological, there's an area where government comes into play. Okay. And so that is very, very important. Hmm. And, and some people might say, well, you know, maybe we need, I mean, the private sector, yes, the private sector can do that, but in terms of the institutions, in terms of uh, having those institutions function as they ought to function, there is mm-hmm. a need for some form of political stability. Yeah, you know, and within that political stability, there has to be uh, a leader that sees himself or sees herself as being accountable, having integrity, and also having the best interest of the nation state right. at heart. Yeah. yeah. So, so n- now that you're saying that. A, a feeling a lot of people kind of within this age where you're pivoting from that, oh, you know, all I can do is know something about the situation to that. Maybe I, you know, w- w- people that are starting to walk in those corridors of influence, because to, to be honest with you, most of us within, you know, the early 20s to, you know, mid 40s, it's a big range, but those are the people who are going to start pivoting from just the people who talk about stuff to the people who you know whose words actually start to bring change, but bring change, right? Yeah, but right. but but a lot of the times we often have this almost helpless feeling, especially when you look in the news and see reports that often have preventable, you know, disasters happening by by poor leadership or poor management and things like that. You know, right. How do we how do we get rid of that apathy that? that tells us that we can't do anything about it? You know, I believe we have to be hopeful. We can't have a cynical, pessimistic, uh, you know, attitude towards our future. We can't. Mm. We can't. You know, I, I remember in the African banquet we both attended at IIT, you know, something I mentioned in my speech was mm. that I believe we are the best faces of an Africa that will be bright in the future. I truly believe so. Mm. I truly believe so. And for us to get to that point, we have to realize that the current leadership infrastructure or the current administrations are not going to be there forever. That is true. Someday, someday power is going to change hands. Yeah. Someday. Someday. And mm. with that in mind, we have to begin to prepare ourselves to enact positive changes, change management, and inspire the mind of a nation out of, you know, a past mentality that 
it didn't work. Mm, right. You know, and that also means that, you know, we also have to keep ourselves accountable because it's very easy uh, to point the finger. But then when you get there, are you going to do something differently? That is true. You know, so it means that we remember the mistakes, the historic mistakes that whichever administration in Nigeria or in the African continent right. or whichever African leader mm-hmm. has managed whatsoever. We yeah. have to remember that and make sure that once we get to positions of influence, it doesn't need to be the presidency, but just any position of influence that we make sure we don't reach those mistakes. Because, uh, you know, I remember uh, Santiago Santiana said those who feel, you know, those who feel to learn from history will repeat. Or, uh, mistakes, yeah, don't repeat it. You yeah. know, exactly. So, in some essence, we have to be good historians. Right. We have to. We have to pay attention to we the past to. or the present. Exactly. Either. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's so, right. So That's speaking right. speaking more on the past and the present, um, oftentimes, you know, the truth is that the vast majority of people who will come with exciting ideas, just as the world is, especially when it comes to technology, are going to be people that are young like us, you know, people thinking of new, new technologies, people thinking of That's new right ways of running system, things like that. Are, yeah. are young, you know, vibrant ideas, they're optimistic, they're excited oftentimes. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is that a lot of the time when you are a change maker, you have to effectively, there are people, who's, there are people who will suffer from your change to some degree. And, and by suffer, it doesn't mean, you know, they will actually, you know, really, really suffer. But for example, if I, if I figured out electricity in in Nigeria and all the people yeah. who make and sell generators will not like me. So how do, no, that's it's, it's the truth. That's true. That's true. So so yeah. how do we get into these systems and manage relationships with people that are that we're going to effectively working against their interests, the, at least their short term right. interests, right? That's, you know how do we true, convince people against their short term interests in 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 a political system? And these are, I'm I'm sorry for asking you all the hard questions. I'm not even sure. If you know, Obama himself would be able to answer some of these, but but you know how do we? But you know I trust your your experience and your insights on at least giving us some ideas on how to manage such relationships. Right, right, right. You know, I think we have to be all. We I think we just have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest. Okay. Honesty has to be our policy, or if you like, being uh, you know just being frank. Okay. Because number one. In, as we all know, in innovation brings digital disruption. You know, that's that in the uh, Schubertarian sense. Anything, whenever there's innovation, there's disruption. Yeah. There is a change. There is, you know, you know, there is going to be, you know, some form of uh, progress towards one side and another side feels like they are losing or yeah. have lost. Now, I think this is where change management comes into play, that we have to talk to people, we have to engage them and say, well, unfortunately, uh, it is in the best interest, you know, of the nation, of the people, of the community that we go in this direction. Now, is there a way we could uh, find a way to compensate them? Yes, I believe so, by making them to be part of the new process of change. Mm. You know, I, I think I think that's very fair. Mm. You know, not just isolating them and and saying, well, this is the direction in which we're we're gonna go. 
Right. You know, you don't want it to have this sense of monopoly. Yeah. That okay, it, you know, you know, like, uh, this yeah. is the new brand. Yeah. Exactly. You so have to take it or leave it. Feel, yes, exactly. That they feel integrated in the process, and they uh, and they have they become stakeholders. Right. So so you're effectively so convincing them to. Hi, it's me again. Interrupting your listening again. Sorry about that. I just wanted to thank you for subscribing and listening to this episode. I actually also would like to invite you, if you have anything you really care about and you'd love to share with the world, please reach out to me at podsaveafrica at gmail.com and enjoy the rest of your listening, enjoy the rest of your day, enjoy the rest of your week, and don't forget to share, like, subscribe, rate me on iTunes, tell your friends, tell your friends' friends. And tell your enemies too. They deserve to listen to Pots of Africa too. Uh, Bye. They have, they become stakeholders. Right. So, so you're effectively so that, convincing them to tamper their short-term interests for long-term value. That's right. That's right. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you know, in uh, political science, you know, it's a form of you nudge them to, you know, to partake and also see the bigger vision. Right. You know that. Mm. Although you might profit from this, you might even profit more from the new change. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that that that's the way I see. And and then the next question to ask then would be, you know, is it okay? Is it healthy for us to be impatient? Because you know, prior to the digital age, most political change and it almost still is most political change is fairly gradual. You know, things don't just bam and things don't just change immediately, but. Um, how do we, you know, get ourselves in this set, in this mind frame where we actually are willing to stick it through the time it takes to see the change happen? That's a very good question. That's a very good question. Now, some people, you know, I, I, it goes, actually, it might even go deeper than what we are both saying because some people are really, really hurt. Hmm. You know, some people have died because of what you're talking about. Yeah. So how long and what level of patience is needed? You know, I, I believe that in some aspects we need rapid, drastic changes and amendments. Mm-hmm. I truly believe so. And in some aspects, maybe there needs to be some form of progression, gradualism, incrementalism, you know, as we implement uh, things. Now, one area that I think that really has to be, uh, mm. you know, a quick one is, I will say, in the medical side of things, I, I think I think health here is very, 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 very important. If, right. if, there's, if there's anything I'll say we should really invest into, you know, a country, it has to be healthy because, you know, it's obviously a child who will shape the future. And we have so many bright minded young boys and girls who I believe we should find ways to make sure they are healthy, right. they are vibrant, mm. and they are ready to uh, sort of, that they are given that, you know, space to contribute okay. to society. Yeah, so that's, in that aspect, we can be patient. We right. can't, we have to invest in health. Right. Yes. Huh. Yes. So, so now my next question is probably something you have far more experience with as well is, is um, coalition building, uh, g- getting a group of people to believe 
in a certain ideology because you know if i had to make a bet and this probably references a little bit on the last podcast i recorded with another gentleman who spoke on politics a very good conversation as well and he, he mentioned that our focus has to be on ideologies and not personalities on agendas and not personalities so you know given that that's the point how do we start to get people to build coalitions so that we no longer have, you know, these political parties that are essentially just a representation of whoever is running for president or governor and political parties that actually represent ideals. Very true, very true. Uh, that's a very good question because if you notice in some of our elections in the African continent, in some places, you know, you hear things like, if you vote for me, our tribe is going to win. Yeah. So... So the political process is now tribalized. You know, yeah. you know, you know, people, you know, people do that. And also, in some instances, the political process is also, you know, you know, they bring in so many other things to just divide the whole process. So, yeah. as as much as I would like to say, uh, we do need some form of ideology, but ideology can also be very divisive. Yeah. Let's, let's be very frank, even in functional democracies or Jeffersonian democracies, mm. I, I, ideologies divide. Yeah, that's true. They do, they do, they do. So I think the larger vision should be the well-being of the nation. What do we have, you know, what's our common interest? That's right. where we should start from. Right. You know, and as we can tell, our common interest is to have a healthy, vibrant, functioning country that can take care of its citizens. Yeah. You know? And that is a good way to start from. Yeah. The, the, and then no, and the, then we can the, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the thing I was going to mention is that, that that goal is so broad that the way to get there then starts to cause the divisions oftentimes. Yes, I agree with you. I agree with you. And that and, and, and that's where people begin to throw in ideologies. Right. You know. And now the question is it's very difficult to answer because one way or the other, an ideology is going to come up yeah. or has to be thrown into the uh, change process or the political arena. Yeah. You know, and and I would say that at least find uh, ideas that don't that you know are not outcast in, in that sense. Ideas that are more likely to unify a nation. Hmm. Than divide the nation, right. and that and that and that means that you know there has to be some form of healthy moral compromise, right? Huh. Because because one side says well we're going to do this, the other side says no, the other side says no. Hmm. So you have many yeah you have many factors in uh, factions or factors in society. Right. Uh, you have the religious base. Yeah. You have you know, just the ideologues, the demagogues, and you, you know, you know, there are just many. So how do we get something that we all have a common interest in and that we should push forward first? Right. You know, yeah. you know, I, I think, I think Nelson Mandela, he is a very good example. Mm. He was a very good example. Uh, you know, there were things that he could have done I mean he he I mean he could have I mean there was a chance that he 
you know, some people, I'm 100% sure, would have not liked unity or integration. Yeah. And, but he said, no, there has to be forgiveness. Yeah. Reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and whether, whether we like it or not, he appealed to an already existing value system within his people. Yeah. And it tapped into it. So which means that even if we're going to do anything, we have to appeal to the values of the nation. That value that everyone agrees mm. is vitally important. And then we build on that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And then, uh, thank you. So, so speaking on just tilting back to colonialism and tribalism, for if you yeah. take, you know, and this, this is applicable to the vast majority of African countries. We don't, you know, we weren't, we weren't part of the deal or part of the, uh, conversation when our countries were being created. The lines right. were not drawn after a survey taken of all Africans. The lines were drawn by people who came around in a conference room, not on the African continent. Uh, they probably didn't even sit on chairs with wood, but for, brought from the African continent. That, that's maybe right. the only African thing in the room, right. really. But right. they decided that, you know, all the, these lines should effectively denote where we, what our country was. Um, and what that has meant is that we have a lot of tribes with perhaps dif- a lot of differences oftentimes into the same country. Let's take Nigeria as a, a case in, in, in point. Um, you know, you have three major tribes amongst maybe 250 in total. Uh, and, and a lot of our politics has seen issues with, 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 you know, those three tribes and th- those three, like you said, ideologies based around the tribes effectively, but they're not really ideologies. Right. They're just, oh, you know, I'm from this place. We should do this. Right. We are from this place. We should do this. Um, so how do we, you know, in a, in a world where it, the truth is that the most ideal coalitions we built between people of all the tribes, how do we, how do we navigate those divides? How do we make it such that where the, the state, the, you know, the language you speak is not necessarily the most important thing uh, to you or the state that you were born in is not necessarily the most important thing, but the affairs of the country in total are the, is the most important thing. Very true, very true. That's a good question. Uh, you know, if we look back in history, I mean, specifically, we can look at uh, the Congo. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, the police former, uh, formerly known as the Democratic yeah. Republic of Congo. I mean, we see, you know, some of what the effect of colonialism, yeah. you know, with uh, King, with King Leopold yeah. and, and things like that. And we can see that the tribes were used for divide and conquer. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's the divide and conquer strategy. And, it is important for us as people of any tribe to realize that um, you know, you know what what is the best interest of the nation. So there has to be there has to be a sense of uh, you know a sense of a, a patriotic vision for the country. For example, look at Nigeria. Yeah. It's only when the national team plays that you, you can say that hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You know. So yeah. there's this patriotic uh, consistency that yes, it's the super ego. We're gonna win, you know. So how can we take that as a case study and implement it in other aspects of our life, in other mm. aspects, you know, of the nation? 
Yeah. I think it's possible. I, I think it's possible, but it goes back to the uh, articulation of the vision. Yeah. You know, what do we stand for? Okay, what is important about my tribe? What is What are the virtues in my tribe? Why am I unique? That's good, but don't have this idea or ideology that my tribe is more superior than yours. You know, you know, this 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 tribal supremacy it has not helped yeah. the country. You know, this tribal attitude. You know, no, no. So so we need a new mindset. Yeah. We should celebrate each other's ethnic background and tribal uh, connection. But at the same time realize that this thing has actually divided the nation and some of our past colonial, uh, I guess you can say our past colonial masters, huh. actually used it to divide and conquer. They did, yeah. And we're and using that same tool to divide ourselves it, effectively. Ourselves, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so at some point, we can't, at some point, at the rate in which we are going, we might not be able to say, well, it's, it's, it was, you know, we are just suffering the effects of colonialism, but because we are beginning to get to a point whereby we have the power, or at least we have, uh, you know, the opportunity to undo yeah. the effect of some of those things. So we can't use what was used against us against yeah. ourselves. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you know, and 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 you know, it, it's my hope that that our focus is on the enrichment of our culture, yeah. of course, but at the same time, the enrichment of the national interest. Yeah. Now, on to, yeah. on to perhaps my penultimate question is, uh, a lot of us, or, or some of us will be in positions where, given that a lot of our institutions now, the majority of Afghans now, Afghan countries now run on mostly democratic institutions right, you know, right. Most of the majority of the presidents are democratically elect- elected you know arguably at least um and you know we that that means effectively convincing people that you care about them how do we do that especially because especially depending on the class of people you come from um because perhaps if you're from a class of people who that has not necessarily had all the opportunities sometimes you get or the or the benefits of being born into wealthier families and whatnot to be able to do certain things with that those opportunities you have you're looked down on by other people or you know you've had those opportunities but then other people who see you because of those opportunities they think that oh this person with those opportunities cannot possibly understand or give a you know give a care about how what my station is and what my actual reality is. How do we convince people? I mean, on especially on both sides of those those aisles, that we care about them and that we, you know, we're, oh, we're here for right. their interests. Right, 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 right. Uh, that's a good question. And Nigeria, I guess we can use Nigeria for example. Yeah. I, I do believe the first step will be. I think the NYSE. Yeah. Is a good starting point because okay. both the rich, both the rich and the, and the poor or the non-privileged mix, and they go into schools and right. institutions and they work together, right? Yeah, well, it's, uh, the effectiveness of that program or the management of that program lately is questionable. But that's it's questionable. Okay, yes. okay, so let's, okay, let's keep it moving. Yeah, but but idealistically, right? Yeah, the ideal. Yes. 
that will be uh, a starting point. But since since we since uh, that currently is not the ideal, yeah, uh, you know, you know, I think I think one good example might be the fact that we may need uh, clergymen, you know, mm. pastors or religious leaders to right. to to find a way to remind people that you can't just you know, see and isolate yourself mm. and, and and feel that you're better than this side of, of, of society. No, right. I, I think that's where, that's where the church can have its influence. And I think, and I think, uh, I do believe, uh, uh, based on what I see, uh, mm. D.K. Lukoya and E.E. Adeboya, I believe they've been uh, men of integrity and, uh, and have shown, uh, you know, I, I would say moral leadership and, uh, and a charitable mentality towards everyone. Right, right. I, I, and no, please keep on. Yeah, I, and I think that that is a good starting point. When yeah. it comes to the question of also humility and how people are raised and their background and. It's difficult, to be honest. It, 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 it's difficult because as I'm uh, talking to you, I'm, I'm also thinking. I'm also thinking that I'm saying, you know, how how can this be done? Maybe we uh, fund more educational institutions because, mm-hmm. you know, people say ed- education is the great equalizer right. or the great connector. Right. You know, maybe that is another point. Mm. That is another point. Or just the fact that we need to be more civically uh, educated, and then we see that, you know, hmm. the person sitting beside you someday can be your commander in chief. So respect him. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. You know. Yeah. You know, and and uh, you know, I remember, um, I remember what's his name, Gina uh, Cheva said something very interesting. He says. He said, he said that what the country needs, or, or what the country needs to do is to be fair to all its citizens. Yes. So that fairness is needed. And he said whether people are of a different, uh, whether people are of a different ethnicity or gender, right. fairness is needed. Right. And I think uh, that that that's what we need. Yeah. That's what we need. All right. Thank you. And, and my final that's question. <laughs> My final question is, uh, what, what, and it's a question I ask almost all of my guests. Um, and I think it's a good question to ask, especially given who we are and what we're trying to do. Um, and the question is, what are you optimistic about? What makes you hopeful about a a brighter and greater African future? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, that's a very good question. (laughs) That's a very good question. You know, I, by nature, I'm a very, I'm a hopeful person. I'm mm-hmm. a hopeful person. I believe, I believe my faith gives me that uh, edge mm-hmm. to remain hopeful. And also, I remember that there's something we say in Nigeria that no condition is permanent. Mm-hmm. Yes, no condition is permanent, yeah. which means that there's going to be a change. There's going to be uh, some form of different mm-hmm. someday you know and that keeps me 
believing that as we keep moving forward, at some point, uh, uh, you know, good hearts will rise and uh, better tomorrow's and uh, better tomorrow's will emerge. Okay. I believe so. I believe so. I believe so. At the same time, as much as I believe that will happen, I also believe that they are about to off the fight. Hmm. You know, it's. I mean, it. It's a part of life. Yeah. For there to be a transition, some form of uh, contention or strife yeah, might be needed. You know, let's be very pragmatic. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's very important for us to be pragmatic, and 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 it's my hope that someday uh, we as young people and also our leaders can 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 see that we can't just uh, live life for ourselves yeah. that we have to care for the next person yeah. you know you know you know we can't just be consumed by our problems our desires our worries but we should reach out and have uh, compassion and and uh, you know and charity. Yeah. Charity. Yeah. And it's my hope that someday, 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 you know, our, our leaders can see that and tap into it and, uh, and see that actually such, such, such an approach can even give them a good legacy. Yeah. Which is very needed in the country. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Achandea Dereli and Uluru to me with Pod Save Africa. Thank you very much, Timmy. You want to say bye to my uh, listeners one more time? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm very honored Fantastic. Uh, to be here with you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much again, Timmy. I'm sure uh, my listeners will enjoy this. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, um, share, and give me a rating on, I- on iTunes. I really appreciate that. I must also apologize. I've had a little bit of a cold, so if I sound slightly nasal, that's probably why. Uh, enjoy your listening and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. <laughs>